You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. We are continuing today this series that we've been in that we've called or we've titled Making Change. And hopefully, change is on the way. Change is on the way as to how we think about how we manage uh, what God's blessed us with. Um, Our goal is to steward well whatever it is that God's entrusted to us. Would you agree with that? That's our goal. God, we want to honor you with what you've blessed us with, whether it's a little, whether it's a little more than a little, or whether it's a lot. Our goal is what? To honor God. God, we want to worship you and how we steward, how we manage what you've blessed us with. And I'm so excited that as we launched this series, we talked about a class that was available, Financial Peace University. I'm so excited that we have today 179 people signed up for the Financial Peace University class. Come on. Isn't that exciting? 179 people. We have 19 individuals signed up for the Legacy class. So for those folks, as they're gaining financial understanding, what I know is positive things are going to happen. So we want to honor God in our lives and how we steward what He's entrusted to us. In this series, we're talking about four big ideas. If you've been with us the past two weeks, you know the first two really well. And I want to review those two and kind of give you the bigger picture of where we're going today and next Sunday. And we're repeating these phrases a lot because my hope is, is that they're sinking into your mind and into your heart. And they're, they're actually becoming principles that shape the way you think about money, that shape the way you think about possessions. Um, and again, in that process then, that it's making change in your life. The first week, we talked about this. We talked about less is what? Less is more. Maybe you remember the scripture better. One handful with tranquility than two handfuls with turmoil and the chasing after the wind. If we're not careful, we can be chasing after the more and miss what's really valuable. That's why we can say less is more. Last week, Pastor Jeff did a phenomenal job as he talked about stress is bad, specifically financial stress. We looked at a verse of scripture where we said the borrower is a servant to the lender, right? We're not careful. Our spending can exceed our means, and over a period of time, we can find ourselves in trouble. And what happens? Debt creates stress, stress in the marriage, stress in the family. And so last week, we said there's three practical steps you need to take to dig out of debt. We said you need to practice self-control. You need to gain financial understanding. The third thing we said is you need to get a plan. This is what I know. You can wander into debt, but you'll never wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt, but you'll never stumble out of debt. Well, you need a plan. You need a plan. You're going to work the plan to get out of debt. Today, we're going to talk about giving is good. Say that with me. Giving is good. And then next week, we're going to talk about tomorrow matters. We don't want to just be those who are living for the moment, living for the day. No, we want to be wise. We want to be wise in how we're managing what God's entrusted to us. So we're going to talk about next week, tomorrow matters. But today, uh, we're looking at this concept of giving is good. You know, it's been said that we make a living by what we get out of life, but we make a life by what we give. I love that statement. I make a living by what I earn, but I make a life by what I give. I give life to others as I'm generous. Make a living by what I earn, but I make a life by what I give. There's no way around it. Giving is good. It honors God. It blesses others. And it brings fulfillment for our lives. You know, some of the happiest people I know today are people who are living life with open hands and open hearts. 
happiest people. Some of the most miserable people I know today are people who are living miserly. I think it's interesting that the word miserable comes from the word miser. Miser able, you get it? And people who are miserly, people who are hoarding, people who are clinging to, holding on to, thinking that their life and the value of their life is in the things they hold. What are they? They're miserable in their life. Happiest people? People who are living with open hands, open hearts, who who have discovered this principle of generosity. There's a great story, true story, of an old man who lived in a rundown house longer than anyone could remember. It was rumored throughout the neighborhood that he was a squatter, that he came to have possession of the home through squatter's rights, and that the owner of the home uh, never um, questioned his ability to own the home. But this is a man who would be seen going throughout the neighborhood, pushing a wobbly shopping cart, searching for discarded treasures. He was a man who um, every day, no matter the season, wore the same tattered clothes, seeming to be uh, an impoverished man. Well, over a period of time, the neighbors recognized that they hadn't seen this man pushing his his cart through the neighborhood. And so one of them thought, well, I'm going to call the police and report this. They called the police. The police came out and they discovered this man's cold, lifeless body in his home. And according to the coroner, he had died of starvation. Now, after the old man's death, nearby residents then petitioned the city to have the house torn down. It was eyesore in the neighborhood, trees growing up, weeds, bright. I mean, you can imagine, just unkept. They said, we, we would like to have this house torn down. So they did a search on who owned the home, and they came to discover that the old man who had passed actually owned the home outright, didn't know anything on it. He owned the home. But they also discovered that he really had no heirs that they could follow up with. So they filed the petition and... The individuals came out, the, uh, the constructors, destructors came out to tear the home down. An interesting, interesting part of the story, when the workers began to dismantle the old house, they started to find what they called uh, the oddest insulation, stuffed into the walls and under the floors, crammed into the nooks and the crevices throughout the structure. This is what they discovered. They discovered authentic stock certificates and other securities worth literally millions of dollars. Here was this man, this recluse, who lived in abject poverty for years, who actually had great riches. And though he could have afforded the finest foods, he actually ended up starving to death. The old man was rich in possessions, yet utterly poor because he did not use what was in his hands. He had great wealth, but he didn't use the wealth. You know, from this story, as I was reading this story this week, I thought, wow, there's a great lesson here, a great lesson we can learn. And here's the lesson. Worth is gained in what we use, not in what we hold. Worth is gained in what I use, not in what I hold, not in what I hoard, not in what I, what I cling to. The life is discovered in what we give, not in what we gather. In one of Randy Alcorn's books, he makes this statement. It's there in your notes. He says, giving is the alternative to spending or hoarding. And it breaks the back of materialism. The act of giving is a vivid reminder that it's all about God and not about us. I like that. It's not about us. but It's all about God, not about us. You know, one of the great truths I've discovered in my 51 years of life on this planet is that, is that God blesses us, not so that we can have more, but so that we can give more. He blesses us not just so I can gather more and make it all about me. 
He blesses me so that I can give more. And that's the way God works. When he brings blessing into our lives so that he can flow the blessing through our lives. Matter of fact, there's a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. I would like for us to read this verse together. Would you read this with me this morning? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Notice what Jesus said. It's more blessed to what? To give than to receive. Now, how many of you know it's a blessing to receive? Would you agree with that? Man, if someone's giving you something, you know, that's a blessing. There's nothing wrong with receiving. But what Jesus would say is that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, I don't have a single emotional consuming story that I can tell. I don't have a single story about me consuming something, buying something, getting something that just moved me emotionally. It's not like I have a story like, a, you know, I, I went down to Best Buy and I bought my first flat screen TV and I cried all the way home. <laughs> it didn't happen. I don't have a story like, wow, I just bought a new car and I know the angels in heaven were singing. <laughs> I don't have one emotional consuming story but I have tons of emotional giving stories and if you were to think about your own life the same would be true for you but seven years ago eight years ago I was in Nicaragua with a group of men from Grace Covenant we were all a part of a construction team and our assignment was to build a church uh, in Nicaragua and so we went down and we spent a week in the hot, humid climate, Nicaragua, working hard, pushing uh, wheelbarrows of, of cement, carrying blocks, laying blocks. And so for a week, 10, 12-hour days, uh, we worked alongside some wonderful Nicaraguan people. I mean, they were there. The, the Nicaraguan men was there working with us. We were working with them. And we had this language barrier, a little bit of difficulty. But all week long, then we worked hard out in the sun. And as we finished uh, our last day, the walls were up. The, the church building was taking definition. But I'll never forget what happened the last day. We're, we're getting all of our tools together. We're getting ready to get on the bus to go back to the hotel. And I saw grown men take their gloves and give them away. Take clothes off of their back, give them to the Nicaraguan people. I actually saw a couple grown men take off their work boots and give them to the Nicaraguan men, and they got on the bus barefoot. And that day I saw grown men crying. Why? It's the blessing of giving. That's why we would say giving is what? Good. That's the word, okay? Get on board with me. Wake up. Wake your neighbor up. Come on, help me out this morning. I don't want to push the wagon up the hill all morning long. Help me out. Giving is what? It's good, right? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's look at this next verse there in your notes. 2 Corinthians 9, 11. It's on the screen. Let's read this together. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, looking at this verse... Notice what Paul says, that God's going to enrich you in every way so that you can do what? So you can be generous on every occasion. This is, what the, this is what Paul's saying. God wants to pour into your life so that you can then be a blessing to others. He's going to enrich you. Why? 
You got to understand the why, not just so you can have more. Again, I'm not against goods. I'm not against the, the nice car, the nice house, whatever God's blessed you with. Listen, I'll celebrate with you. But he's not just blessed you with more just so you can have more. He's going to enrich us. Why? So that we can be generous on every occasion. See, I believe that God's called us and positioned us to be rivers, not reservoirs. Rivers, not reservoirs. What's a reservoir? Think with me for a moment. A reservoir is a collecting pool, right? It's where you gather water. That's a reservoir. God's called us to be rivers, not reservoirs. What's a river? A river is continually flowing, right? A river is life-giving. There's always a constant flow. And I believe that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to flow goods to us and through us. However, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, I believe, for everyone in the room. We're all struggling with this to some degree. Maybe for some more than others. But here's the challenge. We get sticky fingers. Hold your hands in front of you like this. Because I'm talking about your fingers and mine as well. What's our tendency? Our tendency is God's flowing to us. And he, because he wants to flow through us, he wants to enrich us so, we, so that we can be generous on every occasion. But the tendency is, is our fingers get sticky and we want to hold on to. But God's called us to be rivers, not reservoirs, so that he can flow his goods through our lives. There's one other verse I want us to look at. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. This is a great passage of Scripture. Let's read this together. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Isn't that not a great promise? The world of the generous what, gets larger Enlarger so that we can, in a greater way, be a blessing to others. Now, this challenges our limited thinking. Because this is what we think in our, in our brains. We think, well, the more I give away, the less I have. Right? I mean, you were taught this in second grade. If you have five apples, okay, are you with me? And you give two away, how many do you have left? Okay, you, you passed second grade, I guess, right? Well, my point is, is if 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 you give two, away, you give two away, then you have less. You have you have less than what you have, and that's the way we think. That's why we have a tendency to hold on to because we think we're going to have less. But I want you to notice again what God's word says. Proverbs eleven twenty four says the world of the generous gets what larger and larger. Listen, God's economics are a whole lot different than ours, right? Listen, he's a God of abundance. You agree with that? Our God is a God of abundance. He lacks in no way. What he blesses generosity. That's why we say giving is good. It's good. Well, if giving is good, and I think we would all agree with that. If giving is good, why do we not give more often? Let me give you what I think are the top three reasons. That may be more, and you may have other reasons that you think are better than mine. But, but let me give you the top three reasons why I believe we don't give, even though giving is good. The first is this. We don't feel like we have enough. So, so the heart is in the right place. You want to give, but you don't feel like you have enough to be able to give. And so so you, you don't live generous. Uh, here's a... 
a second reason why I think we don't give more often is, is we've seen generosity abused. Even in the church setting. Now, I, I want to take a shot at anybody specifically, but I think you know what I'm talking about. It's those slick-haired, fast-talking, faith-abusing folks who say, if you sow a seed of $100 today, you're going to get a $1,000 check in the mail tomorrow. And that's just poor theology. It's manipulation. And listen, none of us want to be manipulated. None of us want to be taken advantage of. So oftentimes when individuals talk about giving and generosity, we get skeptical. You know, we do the opposite. Rather than being generous, we, we, we move toward being stingy, being miserly. I, I think a third reason we don't give more often is that we live with a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. In other words, this is how we think. If I, if I give more, then I'm going to have less, and then there's not going to be enough to go around. That's called a scarcity mindset. And I'm, I'm scared that there's not going to be enough. I'm afraid that there's not going to be enough. And I would challenge you, rather than living with a scarcity mindset, we want to live with an abundance mindset. Because again, our God is a God of abundance. Our God is a God who gives freely to us. So what we want to live, we want to live with an abundance mentality, not a scarcity mentality. You know, what I've discovered in, in my life, and I think you know this to be true, is that whenever I give, I'm a blessing. And whenever I give, I'm blessed. Let me say that again. Whenever I give, I'm a blessing. And whenever, whenever I give, I'm blessed. Whenever I give to someone else, when I'm blessing them in their lives, I'm a blessing. But also, whenever I give, I'm blessed. Now, that doesn't mean always if you give a hundred, you get a thousand. That's not what I'm saying. It may work that way. But really, what I, I want you to catch this morning is that when you give, you're blessed, and that there's no greater joy, there's no greater fulfillment, there's no greater satisfaction than being able to encourage someone, to help someone, to make a difference in someone's life by being a blessing to them. So whenever you give, you're a blessing. And whenever you give, you will be. You will be blessed in your life. That's why I say without any hesitation, giving is good. So if giving is good, and I think we would all agree with that this morning, if giving is good, then here's the question. How can we grow in our generosity? How can, we, how can we live our lives more generous? I, I want to leave you with, with three um, scriptural truths this morning as to how we can grow in generosity. The first truth is this. You need to trust God with the tithe. Trust God with it. This is, this is the foundation. This is where we start. For me, this is giving 101. We trust God with the tithe. Now, we believe... We believe that God owns everything, right? Psalm 24, 1 says this. The earth is the Lord and everything in it and all the world who live in it. God owns it all. You're not the owner. Whatever you have, you're not the owner of that. You're the steward of that. If you ever wonder about that, this is what you can do. Go to a funeral somewhere this week. And just check it out. Just kind of stand back and be a bystander. And I want you to identify what stuff that individual is carrying with them in their casket to the cemetery. And let me tell you why it's nothing. Because they didn't own it. They were only managing it. 
What are we? We're managers of God. So, so first, God owns it all. The second, the second truth that we, we believe is that God is our provider. He's the one who provides for us. Listen, whatever company you work for, they're not your provider. You may get your paycheck from Wells Fargo or from JGR Racing or Harris Theater or Ingersoll Rand, wherever you work. You may get your paycheck from them, but listen, they're not your provider. They're simply the means through which God is bringing provision for your life. That company is not your provider. God is your provider. So the God who owns it all and the God who is our provider says this, honor me with the tithe. Trust me with the tithe. Make me the priority of your life. Make me the priority, not money. Bring the tithe. So what is the tithe? The tithe comes from the Hebrew word maser, and it means one-tenth. It's a tenth of whatever we have received. Not only is it a tenth, but it is the first tenth. It's the first part. So, for example, let's say you go to work. You work all day and you earn $100. And the individual you were working for gave you 10 $10 bills. 10 $10 bills equals what? $100. So you just received 10 $10 bills for your, for your work that day. Which one of those $10 bills belongs to God? The first one. So the tithe is not just 10%. It's the first part. Listen. I talk with people all the, about this issue all the time, and they try to make tithing a money issue. Tithing is not a money issue. Tithing is a trust issue. Amen. Do you trust God? That's why we bring the first part. How many of you know it's not trusted and it's not faith if you're like, okay, I'm going to pay all my bills and see what I left over, and then I'm going to give it to God. So I'm going to give God the leftovers. I'm going to take care of myself first. Now, we would never say it like this, and so I'm sorry if I'm offending some of you this morning, but it's really what we're saying. I'm going to take care of myself first, and whatever I have left, then we'll see what God gets. God's saying, no, I want to be first place in your life. I want to have first priority in your life. Honor me with, honor me with the tithe. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, you can jot that verse down. Listen to what the scripture says. Honor the Lord in your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new, new wine. So Solomon is speaking here to the blessing of the tithe. He says, as, as we honor God first, he, bless, he blesses the rest. I mean, think about that. As we honor God first with what is his Leviticus, Leviticus uh, 2730 says the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's his. And as we honor God first with what's his, he blesses the rest. Uh, look at this verse, Malachi chapter three, verse 10. It's in your notes. A great passage of scripture, a point of direction connected to a promise. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not, there will not be room enough to store it. <clears throat> it's interesting that this is the only place in all the Bible that God says, test me. The only place. I mean, you can look Genesis to Revelation. You'll not find another place. It's only here that God says, test me in this. 
Now, why would he say test us in relation to this principle? Let me tell you why I believe he said that. He knew that you and I were going to struggle. He knew that you and I would have a tendency to want to hold on to, to cling to what was rightfully his, that first part. So God says, test me in this. Test me in this principle and see if I'll not pour so much into your life that you won't even be able to contain it all. What a great promise. But we need to test him in this. And we honor God. We want to grow in generosity. We honor God first. We trust God first with the tithe. Now, as I've talked with individuals, and again, I have a lot of conversations about this. I've had individuals say to me, you know, Pastor, tithing is old covenant. That's Old Testament. And obviously, you know, Pastor, that we're not living under the old covenant. We're living under the new covenant. And tithing's old covenant stuff. And we're free from that. Has anyone really? If that's true, why did Jesus say this in Luke chapter 11, verse 42? Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, your rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now, Jesus here correcting the Pharisees, saying, you're, man, you're, you're into all of this. You're so, um, you're so focused on these smallest areas, but you're neglecting justice and the love of God. Jesus said you should be doing both. You should be honoring God with the tithe while you're living out justice to your brother and living out love for God. Now, here's what many of you are thinking. If I were to live like that, if I were to honor God with the tithe, I would like have to totally 100 percent, totally rearrange my life around God. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. That's why this principle is really not about money. It's about God having that place of priority in your life. It's about God having that place of trust in your life. I can tell you, I've been living this principle out in my life for 30 plus years. And I can tell you, it works. I live every day in confident expectation of God's protection and God's provision. Why? Because I'm honoring the principle of His Word. If you're not honoring the principle of His Word, then you can't live in confident expectation. Why? Because you have said this, God, I'm not going to go your way. I'm going to go my own way. That's what you're saying. So as we honor God first, it brings his provision, his protection for our lives. Years ago, someone really helped me solidify this in my life with this question. They said, would you rather try to make it through life with 100% of your income, but all of it cursed, Or would you rather try to make it through life with 90% of your income and have all of it blessed, redeemed, and protected by God? I said, that's easy enough for me to figure out. (laughs) You're going to grow in generosity? First step, want to trust God with the tithe. Here's the second step. I would encourage you to plan your generosity. Plan your generosity. I, I don't know about you, but I plan to acquire... Do you? Do you plan to acquire? Either either you do or you don't. Help me out. Yeah, we plan to acquire, don't we? I mean, just yesterday I bought a new tiller for the garden. Spring's coming, I'm believing. So I bought a new tiller. And for months, 
I've been searching, looking, saving dollars, searching, looking, saving dollars, literally for months, trying to find the right piece of equipment. And yesterday, I found it. It was the right piece of equipment at the right right price, and I bought it. What? I planned to acquire. And if you think about it in your life, you do that for your family, you do that, you, you plan to acquire. If we plan to acquire, here's a question for you. Why would we not plan to be generous? Why would we not set out some straight? Why would we not sit down as a family and talk about, hey, how can we be generous? Because giving is good. God blesses generosity. Then rather than just randomly, whenever it's convenient for us, what, what if we became strategic? What if we plan or see that's what generous people do? Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 32, verse 8, a great verse of scripture. It's on the screen. Let's read this together. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. So what do generous people do? They plan. They talk about it. They think about it. Why? Because it's important. And how many of you know if something's important in your life, well, you want to plan for it. And we plan for, we plan, we have a plan to be generous, to live generous. Several years ago, I, I read uh, a great book by Francis Chan called Crazy Love. I would highly recommend it. However, I must say it's a dangerous book. It will mess you up. It did me. It, it, it wrecked me in a really good way. It so wrecked me that I, I gave the book to my wife. I said, Charlotte, you got to read this book. She read it and it wrecked her. And as a result of that book, Crazy Love, my wife and I sat down and we were having a conversation. We had what I believe was a Holy Spirit idea. And this was a Holy Spirit idea. I said, hey, let's create a crazy love fund. And so every month uh, we would just take a little cash and put it in an envelope that became our crazy love fund. And we told our kids about it because we wanted our kids to be a part of it because I actually believe more is caught than taught. Um, So... Hear me, parents, bring your kids into these concepts, these ideas. Let them experience it and see it in and through your life. But we created this crazy love fund. It didn't have a lot of money in it because I don't have a lot of money. But every month we'd, we'd, we'd stick a little cash away. And then we began to look for opportunities. Opportunities where individuals had need. And then we could pull out of the crazy love fund. So I could, if a single mom, single moms, they have a, man... I love single moms and I love helping single moms because I, I don't actually know how they do it. So, like the washing machine would break down. When we have this crazy love fund and we would, you know, this would all be like we didn't want anyone to know. So we would do it in a secret way so no one would know. Uh, but we would pull money out of the crazy love fund and we would be able to like, do maybe a washing machine or we'd be able to do an automobile repair. And I can't tell you how crazy fun it was. Our kids would come with ideas. And as we just began to look, what were we doing? Really simple. We were planning our generosity. We set a plan in motion. Another great story of a family here at Grace who, uh, who came to me and said, you know, Pastor, we really want to help people whose lives have, have got off track. Like maybe um, they lost their job and life's kind of out of control. We want to help them get back on track. Or maybe... Had a, a major automobile issue and they can't get to work and they need to get to work. We want to help those kind of folks. 
And so as we taught, we came up with that, this idea. I said, hey, let's call it the Lift Fund. They said, we like that idea. So they gave $20,000 to the Lift Fund. Then as a pastoral staff, we were able to identify individuals who needed a little lift. Like life had thrown them a curveball and they needed someone to help them, boost them to get their lives back on track. So we, we gave away, over a period of time, we gave away $20,000. And I kept all the stories. Every dollar that went out was connected to a story. And so I brought this family together and I said, hey, let me tell you all these stories. Let me tell you about all of these people that you lifted in their lives through your generosity. I shared all the stories. They said, wow, that looks like fun. So we want to give 20000 more. Well, they're planning their generosity. What do generous people do? They plan. Random generosity is good. I encourage you. Man, you want to grow in generosity? Get a plan. Build some strategy around your generosity. So how do we grow? It starts with the tithe. God, we return our first and best to you. And we trust you to bless the rest. And we plan to give. Here's the third step. It's this. Start being generous now. Now. We're not going to wait until a better day. We're not going to wait till a better season. We want to start being generous now. now some, of you, some of you may think, well, I can't afford to be generous. Some of you are looking at the little you have and thinking, there's no way in this season of our lives that we could be generous. Can I tell you the miraculous part about generosity is that generosity from your life opens your life to the supernatural of God. Remember the scripture we read, Proverbs eleven twenty four says the world of the generous gets what? Larger and larger. Why does it get larger and larger? Because of God's provision. Again, we serve a God who's a, an abundant God. He lacks in no way. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Come on now. Tell me. He is an abundant God. Well, we want to be generous now, listen to what Jesus wrote, Luke 6:38. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as we, as we live generously, it, it opens the way for God to work supernaturally in our lives and in our finances. So we don't want to delay generosity. We don't want to put it off to a better season, a better day. We want to practice generosity now. Again, the world of the generous gets larger and larger so that we can be a blessing in greater ways. You know, we have a great example of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's the Macedonian believers. And as the scripture states, these early believers in Macedonia were in a really difficult, financially strapped season of their lives. Times were hard. But I want you to listen. I'm going to read just a few verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want you to listen to what Paul says about the Macedonian believers. This is an amazing, amazing story. He says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy, get this, and their extreme poverty, not just their poverty, but their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. And they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So here out of their extreme poverty, 
Paul said they welled up into rich generosity. In other words, they didn't wait for a better day. They didn't wait for a better time, a better season. It was out of their place of adversity that they stepped up and they generously gave. I think this is a great example for us. We want to live generosity now, today, that we might experience the joy and the benefit and the fulfillment that comes as we give generously. There's a, a great promise of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. I would like for us to read this together. Would you read this with me this morning? Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's two truths I want you to catch from this verse of Scripture. The first is this. If you want to harvest a bumper crop, you've got to sow some seed. Listen, if you're not sowing seed, there's not going to be a harvest. What would happen to the farmer that consumed all of his seed? Well, he'd never have a crop, would he? The first thing is this. If you, want, if you want to reap, you have to sow. And the scripture says as we sow generously, we reap generously. The second truth I want you to catch from this scripture is this, that God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when we live generously. Why does he love when we live generously? Because we're living just like our father. I believe that's why God delights in generosity. And because God delights in generosity, that's why we as a congregation, the Grace Covenant family, that's why we've chosen to live generously. I mean, every month, every month, we're financially supporting, we're giving, we're generous to organizations that we partner with, like Habitat for Humanity, uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I mean, there's any number of organizations that we support on a monthly basis. Why? We want to live generously. Every month, we're supporting missionaries and mission projects around the world that's impacting communities. Why? We want to live generously. In our budget... If you were to look at our budget, there's a line item that says ministry investment. And that line item in the budget actually gives me uh, a pile of money that I can give away to other churches and other ministries. Why? We're good. We want to live generously. I mean, just recently, you probably noticed there's a new church been built right up at Exit 28 Life Fellowship. Pastor Bobby Conway Great pastor, great church. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to do what I do. Every time I pass their church coming down 21, I look over and I see it. I say, God bless Pastor Bobby and Life Fellowship. They're doing a great work. But when they were building their church, we wrote them a check for $5,000 and sent it to their building fund. And you're thinking, well, pastor, they're Baptists. Listen, God loves the Baptist folks too. Right? I don't care if they're Baptist or Presbyterian or Methodist or Catholic. Listen, if they're doing something great for the kingdom, then I want to be a part of it. But we want to lead the way with radical, irrational generosity. Why? Because giving is good. Giving is good. Giving opens our lives to that of God's blessing. Giving opens our lives to that of fulfillment and fun. But we want to be rivers not reservoirs, right? We want to be those that God can bless others through. So giving 
is good. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for your generosity to us. Wow, we got to start there. God, you have been so good. God, you sent your son. For God so loved the world. God, you gave your son. You gave your best for us. And Lord, in so many ways beyond that, God, you have blessed our lives. So Lord, first we say thanks. God, thanks for your generosity to us. And Lord, my prayer is today that you would help us live out generosity. Lord, we confess this morning before you, God, just being honest, we confess, Lord, that we have a tendency for our fingers to get sticky. We have a tendency to gather and hoard. Lord, we repent of that this morning because, Lord, that is our human tendency. God, we want to be those who model our lives after you and that we would give generously. God, we want to be rivers, not reservoirs. Our Lord, we believe the promise of your word is that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Lord, again, larger and larger, not just so that we can consume more, but Lord, that we in a greater way can honor you and be a blessing to others. So Holy Spirit, my prayer today for every one of us in the room, including myself, Holy Spirit, help us to notch up generosity. Help us to step up in our generosity. God, I just believe it so honors you. And Lord, as I said earlier, when we live generously, God, we're blessing others. And when we live generously, we are blessed. So my prayer today for individuals, Lord, as they, as they leave this place, that they would just go out saying, well, we're going to notch it up in generosity. And Lord, it's not all about money. Lord, you've given us gifts and abilities that we can be generous with, that we can be a blessing to others with. Lord, so many ways, so many ways that we can live out generosity. So again, Holy Spirit, I, I just ask this morning that you would help us take the very principles we talked about today and put them to work in our lives. And Lord, if there's places in our lives where God... Uh, places in our lives where money has become an idol, Lord, where we've placed it before you. God, I pray today that individuals would repent and realize that the idol of money is not our provider. God, you're our provider. And we bow our hearts to you alone. We bow our lives to you alone, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.